This is Many Lamps in the Room, a podcast by and for New City Church in Vienna, Virginia. The topic this week is Halloween, and Mark and I will discuss some of the issues this holiday may present for families in our church. Before we get to that, however, part of our Sunday liturgy includes a question from the Westminster Shorter Catechism, and we like to begin each episode with some thoughts about how we can follow up on that question throughout the week in family conversations. All right, so this week uh, for our catechism question, we're actually looking at a new set of catechism questions by, um, it's actually by Redeemer Church in New York, um, and it's the New City Catechism. I mean, it's just a modern catechism. It tries to distill down uh, the truths and the doctrines of the Bible into a very easy question and answer format. So this week we have question number one. What is our only hope in life and death? And the answer is that we are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. The reason why Redeemer came up with this catechism is because they've wanted a catechism for their congregation that is a little bit more accessible, uh, has maybe more modern language, and is also designed to address some of the prevailing worldviews that dominate our culture. Catechisms are always designed as teaching tools and are often created within a particular context, a particular time and place. Mm that has certain challenges for believers. It's interesting that the New City Catechism, again, it's it's not an official catechism of our church, even though our church is New City Church. We weren't named after this catechism, nor is the catechism our uh, intellectual property. But when Redeemer sort of came up with this catechism, it's, it's interesting that they started off with this question. Oftentimes in our culture, there is a prevailing belief that we are our own. There's a very strong individualistic streak in the modern Western world. So th- I think that might be one of the reasons why this um, catechism starts off with this question and this answer. And I think for kids, it's worth emphasizing to them the benefits, security, and rightness of belonging, of being a part of a family. One thing that you can do with kids is just remind them that we belong to each other that there is a deep bond. Mom loves you. Dad loves you more than anyone else. We are there for each other. As a family, uh, we work to help each other. We have a bond that's deeper than regular bonds. We are also part of God's family. And God Mm -hmm. chooses his people and they belong to him, and he has a father's love for them that is even greater and deeper than a normal father's love. It is great to belong to someone else. There's so much security in that, and there's so much hope in that. 
especially if you belong to somebody like God, not to somebody who will fail you or break their promises or is not strong enough, is not good enough, is not powerful enough, but to emphasize how awesome God is, how great he is, how wonderful he is, how beautiful he is, and also that we get to belong to him. I guess as humans, it's hard because when we talk about people belonging to another person, you know, in our sinful, broken world, that usually means like servitude mm-hmm. or slavery. And all of those things are, are negative ideas. As people are struggling with the existential idea of self and who they are, their identity, who or what is defining them. Mm-hmm. And if they don't know that, then they don't feel like they have an identity. And then you can always come back to, I am me. Mm-hmm. But if you were you and alone and there's nothing and no one around, would you still be you? Mm-hmm. Our society really focuses on the obligations of belonging. Mm-hmm. That belonging is often associated with the curtailing of individual freedoms. Right, yeah. But we can communicate to our kids that you always belong to somebody. The Bible says that if you don't belong to God, you belong to the world. You right. you don't you're not entirely a self-made person that has complete freedom in any direction. When kids rebel and they want to assert their own will, then we can respond by reminding them that they belong to us and that is a good thing, right? right that when we respond harshly to their rebellion and only emphasize how we are circumscribing their agency, they can come away feeling oppressed on some level. But if we respond to them by setting limits, by letting them know they can't do whatever they want, but then also reminding them that we love them, that they belong to us and we have an obligation to them as much as they have an obligation to us yeah you know that sets the foundation for them understanding how god relates to them those things are very scary and let's think about why they might be scary and then you lead them to Christ, right? Like you're able to show them that God is much bigger and and saying like there's nothing that in this created world that could ever thwart God. There's nothing that could overpower him. There's nothing that surprises him. He is in control. He is sovereign over all and kind of giving them that security. And again, the security that's rooted in God, not in themselves, not in you as parents, not any worldly thing, but something that will always be the same.
Halloween can be one of those holidays where people have some differences of opinions, where Absolutely. some where some families are actually, for religious reason, reasons, have some objections to the holiday, and for others, they see it as mostly just a, a cultural event. How do you see it? How do you feel like we can navigate uh, this? You know, I think it's trying to get at... Uh, what is the most concerning for parents? Because, you know, is Halloween a celebration of the satanic, right? Mm. Or is it a celebration of monsters? Are we glorifying the occult? Mm. Um, is that the purpose of Halloween? Mm. Um, and then, you know, there's so many different historical backgrounds as far as in early Americas, what was the trick-or-treating about? It's trying to navigate, you know, the historicity of the holiday, where it stems from. Is it a pagan holiday and celebration and we are just joining in and we're just celebrating the same things? Or is it just kind of an innocent childhood holiday where you know, it's about candy and just being able to dress up. But yeah, I think for many, it's the connection with the dark things. It's mm -hmm. the connection with scary, right? Like, why is it that Halloween is about scaring people or being frightened and all these movies that come out, you know, the different haunted hayrides. And so as people start, you know, really think about it, it's, are we glorifying those things? Are those things helpful for Christians to be a part of? And, and that's why so many Christians, I think, will kind of do something different. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I've heard of like hallelujah parties or mm -hmm. heaven party, trying to upend this darkness and bring light to the holiday mm -hmm. uh, because of what it might represent. You know, even for our church's fall festival, kids can wear their costumes. But, you know, if kids were at church and they were in devil's costumes, mm. you know, would that, would people be okay with that? Mm. Um, what is that holiday about? And mm. are we actually celebrating that holiday or are we able to separate ourselves? And I think for many people, they are able to separate themselves. And they just, it's a fun event. They get to dress up. They have some candy, and that's all it is. But for others, it's, again, it's a celebration of something that they don't want to be a part of. It's a glorification of things that they don't think need to be highlighted. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, our church doesn't have an official stance on yeah. Halloween. And I think different families can have different positions on how they perceive the holiday and how they choose to engage with the holiday or not. I do think that if you have like a blanket objection to the holiday and you really see, you, you're really disturbed by its historical connection and pagan ties, I think that's perfectly valid. I do think that, that oftentimes when you have a position like that, you should really be able to develop a kind of apologetic around mm. that, that right, you yeah. should be able to explain to people why you're not celebrating the holiday. You should be able to explain to your kids why you have such a strong uh, position because it is a countercultural position. It is a position that stands out. It really is against the current of what many people around you might be doing, which is great. That can be a wonderful witness, 
but it should be a clear witness if it is, you know. And so I, I do think that oftentimes having a position like that means you have to do a little bit of research and thinking and, and making clear for yourself and for your family why it is that you hold that position, which I highly commend. Mm-hmm. I can understand someone that's opposed to it because, because of that, because Halloween celebrates or glorifies some of the horrors, monsters and things like that. It's not something that you might say is edifying. Watching a horror movie, is that, does that bring any glory to God? Mm. Um, and again, I'm sure that you can kind of nitpick about things, but I understand people that are a little bit sensitive to it or want to refrain because maybe it weighs on their conscience or it's one of those things where they don't feel like it is, it is uplifting in any way. Yeah. Um, yes, it could be fun, but it doesn't, it doesn't point people to Christ, so to speak. Mm. Um, at least not on the on the front end or on the surface. Mm. Everybody draws a line somewhere. And I think it's important to understand why you drew the line where you did. Mm-hmm. It sort of speaks a little bit to what we were discussing last week, where you're not making these judgment calls or rules arbitrarily, Mm -hmm. but that you are making them intentionally and thoughtfully. And you are giving some reflection as to why your family is adopting one stance and not another. I think for some families, they want to participate in Halloween. And the reason why might also be godly in its own way in that they want to build relationships within their community. They want to know their neighbors better. They want to have their kids connect with other kids and participating in the culture and and the society is not forbidden in the Bible. In fact, oftentimes it's encouraged, right? But you've got to figure out where do you see the pitfalls? Where, Where is it going too far? As you said, how is this glorifying to God or am I just not thinking about where those lines might be? You know, there's so many things that our children are influenced by. Hmm. And on this particular holiday, there's, it's no different, but I would say on any holiday, it's, it's the same thing. What are you highlighting to your children's? I could say even for Christmas, right? Is Christmas a, you know, a celebration of the advent of Christ Mm -hmm. and the Savior coming, or is it just about presents, right? Is it about a Christmas tree and decoration? Because you get lost in that, right? So Easter, same thing. Is it just that you go hunting for eggs and get candy and there's no discussion about Christ's resurrection? I mean, there's so many different holidays we can look at, and some that are more expensive religious in nature and others that are, are not, but using those opportunities to uh, teach your children, be able to guide them in decision-making. Mm. Um, whether you are of the opinion that horror movies, scary movies, things that are frightening are okay. And there's you know nothing wrong with it. You know, even in, in that thought, it's what is it that we are teaching our children 
by the things that they're watching. Mm. It, it, it may not be, it's not like when you watch horror movies, you are promoting monsters or you're promoting violence or you're promoting uh, murder by, by watching it. But, you know, there is an aspect where we're saying this is okay to consume. And so, um, you know, in that way, how does that begin to affect the way that our children start to think? And it's, you know, one of the most endearing things I experienced was, I think, at a getaway two years ago, I showed this children's movie at the getaway that I thought was completely innocuous. Mm. I, I tried to pick something that would not be offensive. It was Lucas, the, the film about, like, the Italian, like, mermaid. Oh, yeah. Like, creatures. The Pixar movie. Um, right. And... You know, somewhere in the middle of the movie, these two kids come up to me um, and they seem visibly shook. Oh, um, one was almost in tears. Mm. And they say they said, can we go over to the nursery mm. and hang out with our other sibling there? Um, the scene that had just happened, there wasn't anything scary. But what happened was the the village people found out that the, the protagonist of the film was this kind of mermaid-like creature, ah. and they were throwing things at him, and he was kind of cowering into the waters. Oh, they were bullying really him. There was a riot. Right, right. And so, uh, and for them, they didn't like that. They didn't mm. like people being mean. Mm. And so... Um, that bothered them mm. so that they wanted to leave because they didn't want to watch something where another person was being hurt or being bullied. Mm. And then I talked to their parents and they're saying, yeah, like they don't really watch movies or they don't really watch other things, mm. but they also don't like it when people are being mean. Yeah. And so for them, something even that didn't bother most children, it bothered them because mm. they didn't like that. Mm. But if we are constantly showing our children film where people are mean, people are being hurt, and almost like it's not really a big deal, hmm. then, you know, it, in some ways... It does know, have do an think, effect on your soul. Yeah. Is it desensitizing us? Hmm. It's saying to us it's okay. And so that's kind of the part where I would be careful about. Yeah. You know, when you go trick-or-treating and you go to some people's houses and the decorations, you know, there's skulls and there's like... Sometimes there's actual quite gory scenes that they kind of... Oh, people will try to scare you. (laughs) They will try Um, to scare you on your way up to their door. (laughs) And so it's even that idea. Like, is it okay to just go around scaring people? Maybe it's okay on this one holiday. But it's, you know, being um, not, again, not just because it's Halloween. But I think it's a good practice for all parents just to be mindful of what your children are consuming and how that might affect them. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some parents that are just, they might, you know, be helicopter parents and just nothing. We don't want anything outside of what our family watches. We don't want them to be exposed to anything. And other parents are, yeah, they can do, watch, listen to anything they want. They are their own person. They can kind of figure it out. And so there's so many different parenting styles, but I wouldn't say, one is worse than the other, but I do have to say I think both of them have their natural pitfalls too. Mm. If Being you so f- so for some some of the these natural pitfalls that you're talking about, like if you're, you're, I think you're suggesting that 
those kids who may be more sheltered, that that shelter is airtight and that they will never find themselves having to deal with some complicated issues, some emotional turmoil, some disturbing images. Because it's kind of the idea of, are you setting up too much of an idyllic uh, and they might they them. might not be prepared for that, uh, right, but on exactly. the other hand, you don't want to traumatize your kid with things that they're not developmentally prepared to deal with. Right. You don't want to scar them for life. Mm-hmm. Let's take a quick break and have Mark remind you about one or two things going on in the life of our church. We have our fall festival coming up at the end of the month, and it takes a lot of manpower to get that event going as well as make it successful so if anyone is listening and has a desire to help out you can sign up there's a link that i have uh, that i've sent out to parents and in my weekly emails but there's also a link on the church newsletter as well Um, and i could probably talk to gina about putting it up on the website too but yeah if you're interested you can sign up there or you can just email me personally at mark at newcityva.org and then you can let me know and I can sign you up myself. And parents can email you if they're not getting the newsletter? Yeah, absolutely. If they want to be on the uh, either the church's newsletter or just the, the personal children's ministry weekly newsletter that I send out, just email me and I will add you to, to that. We are attempting to have 13 different booths or activity stations the more volunteers we have the more booths we can do and so we don't... If, if you have a surplus of volunteers you could actually uh, volunteers can actually take shifts right yeah that's the idea if we're hoping that we have um, enough volunteers so that we can have shifts so it doesn't overburden anyone so each shift would probably be about an hour long because mm-hmm. that event is about two hours. so And even then, it's really probably anywhere from 45 to 50 minutes. Yeah, so hopefully we, we get a, uh, enough volunteers so we all kind of share the burden. And so no one feels too too worked during this event. Because it it's a great family event. So we want parents to be able to spend that time with their kids. Bringing food is always, of course, it's needed. But it's also probably the easiest thing to do. And again, we would accept any anything, uh, any form of help there. But as far as the event it goes, yeah, without the booths, without the games, you know, it's really just us getting together in a parking lot and eating. So <laughs> help out at the event. It's it's a great time. And also, I want to throw this out there too, because this year we're trying something a little bit different, and it combines our mercy ministry. Mm. We're doing an event called Pia Pastor. And so it's exactly what it oh, sounds no. like. <laughs> oh, no. um, our pastors, <laughs> Paul and David, have volunteered they have. their faces <laughs> so that um, we're going to kind of do uh, like a raffle where uh, you, you purchase a raffle at a set price. And then at the middle of event, we kind of pause everything. We're going to have a little costume parade photo session, and then we'll cap that time off with this, I guess more like a fundraiser. The more, you know, more raffle tickets you buy, 
and you enter, the higher the chances that you will be picked to be able to pie a pastor. Um, now, again, we could do it two different ones, meaning we can do one for Pastor Paul, one for Pastor David. Um, but uh, it seems that the that teaching elders would like the ruling elders as well as maybe even the deacons to be a part of this. So we might have oh. a little section for all of our church leaders. This is news to me. Um, but if we... <laughs> If we do that, you know, not everyone has to participate, but we figure it's a fun way to get people to be involved with philanthropy without really thinking about it as philanthropy. The money that's raised for that event is going to go directly to one of our Mercy partners. Oh, And so it's, a, it's a, again, a very fun fundraiser. Um, and I think that, you know, who, who doesn't want to throw a pie into the face of their pastor? So... Oh, That's gosh. out there. So, again, if you don't want to participate in anything else, you can definitely participate in that one little um, one event. At Just show up for festival. that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so sorry for such a long announcement. No, no, no. That's kind it's... of the idea. Fall festival, <laughs> oh, two areas of help, food, and then booths. Mark, I think every volunteer should get at least one free raffle ticket to this. Uh... <laughs> hey, that would be a great idea for people to uh, volunteer. But that's October 30th after our second service. So around 12 o'clock, 12 we're meeting in the back of the building for our fall festival. Do you guys go trick-or-treating? Yeah, I go trick-or-treating with my bestie. Your mom doesn't like you? Parents are often sort of stuck in the sticky wicket of like, how do I navigate the best balance between these things? Yeah. And I think you use your best judgment. You kind of discuss it with your partner and, and see where your kids are at and what they're capable of handling. But regardless of what you choose, you will, I think, should expect to eventually have some conversations about mm -hmm. things around this holiday, the presence of evil, the right. um, spiritual warfare, mm -hmm. dealing with, with things that are scary or frightening, the dark even. Mm -hmm. yeah. Even, you know, um, managing your cravings for sugar. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I think part of considering what you, you know, how you want to deal with this holiday means thinking ahead about how you might handle these things that might come up. Yeah. And I think, you know, for, for parents, it can be very exhausting because, you know, they have to be very vigilant all the time. Mm. And, and it's true that, you know, that is something that the Bible calls us to do, not, not to focus on Halloween, but to be vigilant and mm. to be mindful and to be thoughtful in the way that we walk our Christian lives, because there's so many things and so many pitfalls along the way that it's really difficult already. A lot of the tips or a lot of the ideas, I think that would surround Halloween, it's, it's more about being intentional being thoughtful about it and like you mentioned know the reasons why you celebrate it 
or the reasons why you don't and being able to discuss with your children those those ideas and those understandings because again i think either way they're going to be confronted with it one of the things that we do want to do with this holiday is celebrate the things that are good about this holiday the community coming together the creativity that people show the enthusiasm that people often exhibit there is often a lot of good cheer around this holiday and for some people it really is their favorite holiday i think we want to guard against looking down our noses on people who celebrate this holiday if you have a different position if you've decided that you want to take a much more cautious approach to this holiday i think part of what you might want to guard against is uh, either explicitly or implicitly communicating to, to your kids that you're better than <laughs> um, uh, everybody else instead you can still acknowledge that Many people love this holiday and see lots of great things to celebrate about this holiday. But for these particular reasons, you feel like you need to refrain. Mark, what do you think might be some things that parents might want to keep in mind if your kid comes to you and says, you know, this it was so scary tonight. Some older kids had really scary costumes on if they are a little bit freaked out by some of the decorations that they see? What are some things that parents might want to keep in mind? Well, let me, let me first say, let me, before you get into that, let, let, let me first say, you can't have those conversations if you don't invite those conversations, right? Yeah. That, you know, part of the way that you can make sure that you help your kids process this holiday and whatever surprises are in for them in this holiday, whatever things that they're going through in this holiday, if you don't have an open relationship uh, and an open conversation, if you don't invite them to share with you about what they're feeling, what they've seen, what disturbs them, what they have questions about. I think there, there, sometimes there's a temptation where uh, for parents to be like, I'm not sure if, if I have the perfect answer to something, so I'm going to try to avoid the conversation altogether. It's okay to have an imperfect answer. It's okay to even say, yeah, you know what? I'm not quite sure. I don't know. Maybe I need to ask someone else and, and maybe we can talk to Pastor Paul about it. Or, or um, it, it, yeah, it's, it's okay to be an imperfect parent. But I think part of what you do want to do is make sure you do parent. Right, yeah. I agree. So it, what might, you know, if, if, if parents do get questions about, you know, something that the kids have seen or are disturbed by or are spooked by, mm -hmm. what might be some things that parents might, might want to keep in mind? God's sovereignty? Yeah, I think God's sovereignty and understanding uh, fears because you know, every kid is going to be scared mm. at some point in their lives. Sure. This, I think, is just another example of that. If they see something that is scary, like trying to ask and see, like, what is it that scared you? Mm. You know, why is it scary? And trying to, again, get at the heart of your child, understanding what it is that your child is concerned with. Mm. And, you know, the fears will probably go along those lines. Mm. And so it's just 
are you prepared to address your child's heart in the matter? And your kid may not be able to articulate exactly what it is that they're really afraid of, but being prepared to meet those kind of questions or those thoughts and and lead them, right? Mm. And shepherd them and mm. saying, I think, you know, those things are very scary. And let's think about why they might be scary. And then you lead them to Christ, right? Mm. Like you're able to show them that God is much bigger and there's nothing that in this created world that could ever thwart God. There's nothing that could overpower him. There's nothing that surprises him. He is in control. He is sovereign over all and kind of giving them that security. And again, the security that's rooted in God, not in themselves, not in you as parents and not any worldly thing, but something that will always be the same. Mm. And so being able to reassure them that it's okay to be afraid. Mm. It's, it's natural. For, right. It's good for your survival, right? Like yeah. if you're not afraid of things, then yeah. that's actually not that not that good but in being afraid there's a perfectly good reason why you're afraid but at the same time if there are things that are like irrationally too frightening for them and you can always address those issues by trying to point them to like you said god's sovereignty um, i think that could be very helpful practically speaking i would say that if a, if a child comes to you scared then maybe the first thing that you want to do is is just comfort them yeah absolutely. Uh, and that might not require words uh, putting them in a place where they feel safe mm -hmm. hugging them maybe you just sit and hug them for a while or right. feed them something that they like you know that will be comforting <laughs> to to them mm -hmm. or you know just putting them in a place where they can sort of calm down a little bit I do recommend that as a as a first step, just sort of making sure that you are there for them and that you are with them and comforting them before you even start giving them a giving them a theological lesson. Um, <laughs> yeah, but the, I, agree. I I agree that the theological lesson is important because we need to hear the truths that really ultimately are anchors for us are eternal truths, mm. knowing that. God's will is supreme, knowing that Satan is a liar and a thief, knowing that God is on our side. And when he is on our side, nothing can take us from his hand. Even if you don't have a sermon ready for them, <laughs> you can just pray with them. Yeah. Right? You know, you can just say, you know, um, I know how you're feeling. Let's let's give it up to God. Let's, yeah. let's let God handle our anxieties because those anxieties are real it's okay to have them but let's be reminded in prayer in scripture in biblical truths as to what is real versus what is apparent besides what we see immediately in front of us let's think about what is actually real forever you know right i like that do you control the flow of candy afterwards mm. meaning <laughs> do you take the candy from them and and you will you will measure it out for them or do you just let them have it you know what so my wife is a dentist <laughs> she's a pediatric dentist ah <laughs> <laughs> um and 
what a lot of dentist office um, offices do is that they will monetarily reimburse you for trick-or-treat candy. So if you give them a bag full of candy, uh, mm-hmm. I think different offices do it different ways, but I think standard procedure might be they actually weigh it and by pound, they will actually give you, I don't know, a dollar a pound or I don't know. I don't know what wow. the going, I don't know what the going rate is. Maybe more than that. We encourage our kids to take choice items for themselves. Whatever they want to keep, they can keep. But they get excited about getting money ah. in return for their candy. They know that they they'll never be able to eat it all. Uh-huh. That will that will dole it out parsimoniously and that will make it last all year long. So they know uh-huh. they 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 would rather just have cold hard cash up front. So wow. <laughs> then what do they do with all that candy that they have? taken from kids and gave them money for you know what i don't know they must destroy it right they're dentists <laughs> yeah that's, what I'm... Like, that's <laughs> such a waste <laughs> no I'm, I'm sure they donate it someplace yeah mm. they might put it in a food bank or something i don't know but yeah no you know you know what i never asked what actually becomes of the candy that they collect yeah i imagine <laughs> that they have like a big witch's bonfire in the back cackle over it yeah (laughs) what is that sweet sweet smell that sweet smoky smell i do wonder every time i meet a dentist that has kids i always ask like oh what do you what do you how do you feel about this and there's some that you know they're they're perfectly fine yeah and then others no sweets will cross their oh my god we are not we are not allowed to have Dana has no problem with chocolate, uh-huh. but we are not allowed to pass out hard candy. Uh, uh, I heard that's bad during right? for trick or treating. We're not allowed to it, give it, give that out. No, because it, it just sits in your mouth and the sugar. Oh, it, and it yeah, just... and it's and it's like like tar on your mm. enamel. It just sticks there and mm. it gets permanently lodged and just eats away at and the and the. Um, the little germs love it. I see. Ah. <laughs> and those are the those are the candies that are, that are the most affordable, the hard candies. Yeah, probably. But you know what? Dana actually doesn't have too much of a problem with candy. You know what's really, you know what's worse is actually juice. I think really? the the I think practically speaking, the uh-huh worst offenders in terms of you know things that are regularly given to kids that ends up really being problems for them dana uh-huh. always complains about juice especially at night especially ah. just before they go to bed oh yeah. really yeah that is interesting yeah. i guess they are pretty high in sugar oh yeah and it's you know you think apple juice it's got some must it's from a fruit it must have some nutritional value yeah yeah or something but that those are like liquid candy bars uh wow i never thought about that yeah we pray our discussion was edifying to you and we'd love to hear any feedback mark's email is mark at newcityva.org 
Stephen Price provided the music, and you can find more of it at almadogma.bandcamp.com. That's A-L-M-A-D-O-G-M-A dot bandcamp.com. We're recording on equipment generously donated by Sonny Kim, and you can find out more about our church at newcityva.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, watch those windows. I have a memory of going trick-or-treating, but there was one instance when we were in elementary school, maybe it was maybe I was third grade or something like that. I remember this because that was the last time we had ever gone trick-or-treating. Um, and my parents just let us go out with our friends. And I remember a house gave out like full-size candy bars. Yeah. And like, we we like, were so when you're a little kid, those those look like they're about the size of your forearm. Right. <laughs> yeah. And we were so blown away by it. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, oh my goodness. And um, and so we made a plan that we would all um change our our costumes. Uh huh. <laughs> go again and hit it and again. Go again. <laughs> but but the thing that a child's mind does not understand is just because so we change costumes with each other. Uh-huh. Thinking that <laughs> ah, the same You didn't just have a backup costume. <laughs> you just switched. Yes. In our, in our child minds we're like, oh we're gonna switch them because we're not in That'll the totally work. We That'll totally work. Right? As if they knew what we were wearing and who we were underneath the costume. Um, and Kid we logic went back. at its but, finest. You know, they, they, were, they were very gracious. They Aww. gave us candy. Um, but that was, again, what I <laughs> They were like, oh, memories. these kids.